Hello, friends and readers and small business owners. I hope your day so far has been awesome, and I am thrilled to be talking to you today. My name is Brandy, and I run an independent bookstore in Edmonton, Canada called Daisy Chain Book Company. I used to have a book truck. Now I have a bookstore with an address, and it is a whole different game, let me tell you. So if you have been paying attention to our podcast, then you probably know that we have a mantra at our store called creating a community of readers. That is a super big deal for me. I think the idea of books and the exchange of books for money is is fine and good. And of course, that pays the rent. But the idea of creating a community where readers can gather, where readers have a voice, where there's shared opinions, shared ideas, we're exchanging stories, we are creating a space where the conversation around books and themes and characters and ideas is possible and allowed and encouraged, this is such an important thing for us because it's never just about the books. It is actually about the readers. That's, that is the main focus for us. And so I am loving the fact that for this little series we're doing on the podcast, I'm introducing you to people in the Daisy Chain book community. Today, I am thrilled to share a conversation that I had with Karen Irwin. Karen has been part of our Daisy Chain book club. She is an avid reader, she is a teacher, she is a literacy advocate, she is a parent of readers. I mean, she has got it going on. Karen is all the things and she continues to inspire me and motivate me to read more things outside my comfort zone, which I'm all for. So I wanted to do that for you. So here you go, guys. Here's my conversation with Karen. So it is uh, a real treat, actually, to talk with you outside of book club. And this is going to be fun. So I, f- I actually have my pen and paper ready because there are so many ideas that I always get from you about reading and what to think about a book that maybe I had discounted. So I'm ready to go. So okay. if everybody else is listening and they're ready to go, Karen, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, so my name is Karen, and um, oh, I didn't prepare anything for that part, but there you go. Uh, I, well, I live in the area around the Daisy Chain Bookstore, and um, I obviously love to read and was so excited to be able to join a book club at the Daisy Chain. Um, I am a teacher, and I um, love to share that reading with the students in my classroom and in the schools that I I have been in. Currently, I'm not working in a classroom. Currently, I'm working with uh, curriculum and learning supports with Edmonton Public Schools. And um, we're working on a really exciting board-initiated project to support students uh, in 41 schools called the Equity Achievement Project um, through um, helping support teachers to develop stronger literacy practices and numeracy practices, but I work on the literacy. So that's really exciting. And, but I definitely miss those kids in the school and in the classroom. So, um, 
anytime I have a chance to work alongside them or a friend of mine who's a teacher asked me to come and do a read aloud for read-in week virtually, of course, because we can't go in person, but yep. virtually it was really fun. And so literacy is pretty much your thing. Yeah, I think that it, it sort of developed and come to be when I first started teaching many years ago. Um, the year actually that I was hired was the year of massive layoffs in Alberta. And uh, I think that that year, if I remember correctly, there were only like 25 or 30 teachers that were hired. It was so, so slim for, for employment opportunities, but I taught French. And so that got me started, got me in the door. And so I did teach French as a second language for many, many, many years with other things, but that was a big part of what I did. And then the school that I had moved to, I just, that I've stayed at the longest actually, probably because of all the different jobs I've had there. I started as a uh, FSL teacher who also taught with other teachers who were not working full-time in their classrooms. So a little bit of everything. Um, And then just the job changed. My principal you know, encourage me to take different training and do different things. And so it's really fun, though, because it came back to something I love. I never thought that I would be able to have that strong a focus on literacy in the school. Well, and you and I were talking one day that literacy and reading in your home was also a big deal, right? I mean, Absolutely. That was a, a constant presence. Yeah. And how did you, as a as a parent, how did you encourage your kids to invest in reading and find their own um, pleasure in it? I just reading with them. I think that reading aloud and the telling of stories and um, like for me growing up, my uh, grandpa, then he, um, he liked to write and he would always write stories for us to read. And same with my dad, my dad, it was pretty funny. He always, he always had a book for everything. So sometimes you would groan because even if you asked a question that you just wanted an answer to, he's like, I have a book for that. And you think, I just don't want to read another book right now. Well, at least not about that. I just want the answer. But he always had a book for that. And I think that just kind of kept getting passed down. And then my kids knew I was a sucker for a book. We could be out doing something and they might say, oh, they might want a toy. I'm like, no no toys. How about a book? And I'd be like, (laughs) okay, how can I say no to a book? So I don't think that's a rare occasion that I would have said no to a book, any book, because I just really think that whatever kids are interested and adults for that matter in reading, reading is what counts. It's Mm -hmm. not whether it's a big complicated novel. I mean, if you love to read comics and read comics, if you like Mm -hmm. to read blurbs on the back of books read the blurb on the back of backs of the books that's what gets you to start to get into things and love reading so mm-hmm. I think it's just the presence of it but reading aloud we always had you know bedtime stories I think like a lot of you know a lot of families do that and even into um like junior high you know, the girls still would, they'd be working on something and one of us would be reading a book and audio books was something that was really supportive because, um, for, um, you know, two sisters where, you know, one can read and then one's not ready, but the younger one really wanted to read. 
And she was so frustrated that she couldn't yet. So, and I couldn't read that many hours in the day to keep up because she's voracious. Mm -hmm. Uh, We discovered audiobooks and then she would go and just listen. That's a really great substitute. I, I think that like, I remember when I was younger, there was like the, the book on tape and then there's those Disney records where the Tinkerbell would ring and write and you turn yeah. the page and stuff. And we always thought that was such an event, right? Like I remember playing on the record player and if somebody talked, we were so mad because what if we missed Absolutely. the signal to turn that page and, and it just became such a big deal. And then when I went to my, my friend's house and she says, oh, my mom's sitting in a room, she's playing her book on tape. And I thought, you can get those on tape. Like I, I thought that was just the neatest idea. And now audiobooks that we download are a big thing. So that's really developed over time. What a good solution for kids. Yeah. And there's just something about the power of telling, of reading a story or telling a story that I found just, it draws people, but especially kids in. I remember being in, uh, we visited the library. My parents took us to the library all the time, went to bookstores, you know, uh, Christmas was a big thing about like they pick the right books for us. So, you know, it, it comes all the way, all the way through. But I remember being in the library and just sitting down and reading to my own kids as we're picking out books and other kids being in the library, but their parents weren't reading to them for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they would just come and sit they just mm-hmm. get drawn into the story and I can see it happening in, in my classroom too. Sometimes the kids would be at, you know, at a center time and one of them would be, oh, I'd sit down and start to read a book to a little group. And all of a sudden, five or six others that were engaged in something else would come and listen to the story. So there's just something magical about listening to a story being read or told. It's true. And I find that the tone of voice you use when you read a children's story, it's much more light and lyrical and bouncy and it has those natural poetic paces to it that you just kind of feel like you're being caught up in yeah and even it's oh love it even reading novels to older kids because a lot of the time that I taught wasn't with younger children it was with older students and um there were times like for example if they were working on an art project then they get really engaged in their work or they can you know there can be a lot of activity but so it's a time that I would always read aloud And then even the way that you can draw kids in to the story that way, it doesn't matter. It can be with the novel and then all the time it would be like, what? You're stopping here. That's the worst place to stop. Don't stop here. And for some other students who were, you know, older and they're comprehensive, they they could understand everything, but for some, but you know, they aren't always able to read what they want to read at that time. So providing opportunities for them to listen and still discuss and be a part of everything is, is great. And I did that, you know, with my own kids, although there are certain books where I just remember um, a colleague telling me you can only read a book for the first time once. Mm. And so sometimes you need to tell that to kids or parents or whoever it is. So, because if I read it when I'm not quite ready for it, I might lose some of the magic mm-hmm. of when True. I'm really ready for it. And uh, yeah, that did happen with my own daughter. I said, you know, you can read these Harry Potter ones, but don't go further than this because 
they're so much older. And then later on, she said, you know, I'm really glad I did wait because it wouldn't have made that much. I wouldn't have been able to relate to it in the same way. True. And you do miss some of the impact of that book if you're not ready to receive it yet. Exactly. And and I think a lot of kids think that, you know, the grownups were just being so mean to tell them they can't or shouldn't, but it's just because the story is, it's like a, it's like a cake. You don't take a cake out of the oven before it's done because it's gross. Sometimes a book is just not ready for you yet. It has to, you have to cook a little longer first, then you're ready for that book. That's all. It's just matching you up at the right time. And if you talk about it, then usually it goes pretty well. But sometimes be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. (laughs) But that's normal. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And with all the stuff that you have going on and, you know, then we had this pandemic thing. So how are you finding time to do your own reading? It goes up and down, I have to admit, because, um, I mean, I think there's more reading, especially last year, because there were really no other activities to take people to or and and I, I don't think we're super busy, but we did we did have little bits. And so I but I did make a concentrated effort because screens were so much a part of the life now. I mean, and they continue to be that when I was finished with the screen for the work part of the day, I did not want to see a screen after that. And so. I would, that drew me to books again. And then I, I try and get more reading by varying the type of book I'm reading. So I know if I have um, a lot happening at work, I can't take a book that I really have to take a long time to get into it. It has to be something that's easier, or perhaps it is like a nonfiction text that's related to work or, um, you know, whereas at Christmas will hit and then it'll be a completely different kind of reading when you have a break. So yeah. that's how I'm trying to get it. And audiobooks, I've listened to more audiobooks, I think. Yes, you are not alone there. Audiobooks have definitely been discovered in the last year, year and a half, I think, because yeah. people are just, they're hungry for more stories. And it does exactly what you were saying earlier, the idea of being read to is comforting. And there's something about that, that we, we embrace a story that way that we might not have considered on paper. And I think that to make time for, to do that means you're actually getting more stories into your day. You do. You get so many more stories into your day because I don't know, I'm not very good at sitting and listening to Mm -hmm. an audio book because it's not the same as having that person to engage with. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I can be doing, you know, things like making a meal where I don't really have to think so much about the type of activity I'm doing, but, but I, my hands are busy. And so that is, I do a lot of listening at that time, doing kinds of chores, things like that. And then if I have to concentrate more, I'll pause it and then, and then keep going. Yeah, it's true. I know the audio book is really drawing me in if I sit down and just listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I find I need to do something with my hands when I listen. Yeah. It almost helps me focus more because mm-hmm. I'm just letting my ears do that one thing. Whereas otherwise, I, I feel like I'm working too hard and paying too much attention and I'm missing it. That's exactly it. I think that's why even thinking about working with kids or they're working on an art project and you're reading to them, that, that they can really engage because, I th- yeah, I think it's probably more common that 
people need to be doing something so that, because it, it can be really tiring just to mm-hmm. listen intently, especially if it's for enjoyment. I mean, it's different if you're doing it for a, you know, a learning activity or something like that, or for university, that's a different thing. But if it's for enjoyment, you can let go a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Have you listened to any audiobooks that really stand out as being awesome? Yes, I listened to um it's a it's a trilogy, I guess. There are three books. You don't have to listen to to all of them, but they do build on each other. Um by Thriti Umragar. And so there's The Space Between Us. Um Oh goodness, I'm not going to remember all of the titles. But that was the first one. And I I and each time I listened though that that series there were moments in each of those books where I sat and listened hmm. because they were so moving. I think that then the reader of those had a very beautiful voice to listen to mm-hmm. uh, as well. But um, I definitely sat and listened or if I, I would d- pause that those often if I knew I couldn't pay attention because I was so drawn into the characters lives in that series of the the world that we found there we go that's another one see they come to me as I talk the world <laughs> that we fun. found space between us there's one more I think it's about the secret something but there you go <laughs> I'm sure you'll look her up and you'll be able to find it yes. yeah I had this in my head the other day because I was looking at everything on my kindle I don't usually read it on a kindle I have to say I think I did more um, I did it a little bit more previously, but now again, the screen thing, I, I mm-hmm. but there's something about the book in my hand that makes a difference, but yeah. I do have some on the Kindle. Um, and then the audiobooks. and I was looking at everything thinking, Oh, which ones? And then I, I didn't look at the, it's been a while since I read this one, but I saw it and it's called the weird sisters. W Y R D. And so I can't cover. remember. It's, well, the cover that I have is, is the one, it's white with green writing, kind mm-hmm. of florally green writing. And I don't yeah. remember all the ins and outs of the story, but it, it, it just kind of, it stays with me about, oh yeah, it's such a feeling when I read that story. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny how when you just look at a cover, sometimes you get that. You do. Oh, cover art is very, very powerful. It can really set the tone for all the things you're going to get in that book. And it can build your expectations. It's going to be great or it's going to be, I don't know. They either didn't invest in this cover art or they really did. And that tells me a lot about how much they like the book or whatever. Yeah, there are some that are really, really good. And some it's just... Well, I picked it up and I read the back and I liked it. But then after I read the story, I remember the cover because of the Mm -hmm. feeling that's associated with the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And what are you reading right now? Well, I am reading the, um, the sea women. Isn't that what it's called? The one for our book club. I'm finishing the, the, the Island of sea women, the Island of sea women. I always get that title confused. Uh, yes. So I am reading that one. I, and, and, um, I think, I think I'm close to halfway through, which I find it, um, really interesting, uh, story to have that, uh, reality perspective, like that, 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 that's actually something women did was harvest, 
from the ocean and dive. And really they're like free divers, which is a big, you know, a thing that you can read about now, but these women were free divers for so long. And, um, but then it's accompanied by this amazing writing about these characters and wondering, well, what's that story? What's going to happen there? Mm -hmm. So that is what I'm currently reading other than work related reading, (laughs) (laughs) which is also really good, but it's a balance. Different. It's a balance. Yeah. And I did finish, I, I listened to the audiobook for the other book club book, mm-hmm. um, Spirits Up by Todd Babiak. So I did, what did finish you think? Listening. It's not my favorite. Mm-mm. No. I I it, I wasn't sure about it when I was thinking about listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then I um in the bookstore I read the first page and I thought oh this could be interesting yeah and then as it went on it just I'm I'm I had to find out how it continued but probably if I hadn't been listening I would have abandoned the book Mm -hmm. yeah it it kind of in the beginning I thought it was going to be a certain type of story that had Mm -hmm. a a good base on the development of what was going on. It, you asked questions. I thought, okay, these are going to be answered throughout. And I was starting to get a feel for who every person was in relation to each other. And then it sort of shifted and I wasn't sure what was going on anymore. And I, and then at some point I just didn't really care anymore. I just, his characters did not draw me in. I, I did no. not feel, I didn't Yeah. I, I, I felt they were flat for me, I felt they were, you know, I just thought, do you, I thought they were just like it there because he was writing about the two teenage girls and I just mm-hmm. felt like th- th- those and of the wife and even of the husband and, and even of some of the other characters and they were very, to me, very stereotypical, mm-hmm. basic kinds of things. So I'm very interested to hear the perspective of other people at the book club on yeah. it because I kept trying and there would be snippets where I would think okay and then it would lose me again yes Um, and then when I finished it I remembered reading something about how it's supposed to be related to like a a different take on a Christmas carol and then after finishing I thought okay I guess I can see now remembering that but I never would have known that if I hadn't read it somewhere Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, I'm I'm with you. It wasn't my favorite either. And and I couldn't tell when I was listening to the audiobook if it was because I wasn't connecting with the narrator and maybe they were setting a different tone for me. But there was also no character in that book that really made me cheer for them or yeah. felt as if this was one I really wanted to see get its justice. Like I there was nothing like that going on. And then the anticipation in the book about we were supposed to feel really nervous about this I just didn't I, I wasn't no I think what that's they wanted it. me to feel no no I didn't either and that's what I kept waiting for was a little bit a bit more a bit a mm-hmm. bit more um which was too bad because the actually the very first pages or chapter even the first couple of chapters really set me up to be thinking, mm-hmm. Hey, this is going to be quite interesting. I wonder where this is going to go. But as you said, I just, I, for me too, I just kind of, it kind of lost me. 
Yeah. And I wonder if for as as the writer for Todd Babiak, if it was actually something that for him in the beginning, he felt that way too. And then maybe his passion for the story or his clarity on it was just lost somewhere. Yeah. Because I felt like he didn't even know where he was going sometimes. This is the first book of his I've read. So I don't have any other frame of reference either. Yeah. I haven't read any of his either. Yeah. I did like all the Edmonton references in there. That was fun. Mm -hmm. That was like little Easter eggs for (laughs) for Edmonton folks. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But if that is really the peak for me, the names and the streets and the (laughs) stuff, that's probably not (laughs) a really good compliment for the book. Yes. Unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to the author. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, you invest, as you know, as a writer, you're going to invest a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of everything into that. So, yeah. Um, and they're not always going to land. They just can't. No, exactly. So, and they won't and land I, with everyone. I, I'm really curious to hear if, if, if someone, it landed for someone and, and why it did. I really want to yeah. hear that perspective. That's one of the great things about book clubs is you yeah. do get such a wide POV to pull from and makes you reconsider. Yeah. Okay, I never thought about that. Exactly. Because maybe- the last one, yeah, the last one we read, less. I mean, there was a lot of uh, disagreement about whether, you know, it was if they thought it, well, one person thought it was really boring and then other people did not. And and like, that's the exciting part, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, every book isn't going to land with everyone and you're going to see different things, but it does make you think about it in a different way. And because I hadn't quite finished it yet, as I finished the book, when I went home after the discussion, then that was also really interesting too. Cause I could say, Oh yeah, I could see what they mean now when mm-hmm. I'm finishing the, or I'm reading this part. And uh, it just gives you another purpose and another way of reading, which is interesting. It does, yeah. And that one, Less, by Andrew Sean Greer, that one actually, it won the Pulitzer. And yes. part of our conversation was, why did this win the Pulitzer? Like, we were trying to figure out what was the standout feature in this text or in its themes or what was going on that made it win above whatever else was up against this book. Yeah. I still can't, I haven't found anything. I did a little research. I still can't find out. Yeah. Why I guess we have to read all the other books that were nominated to be able to understand in that year. I guess that's the only way to do it. And I mean, I, I guess that's what the panel does is they read all of them. They're not choosing everyone, but you right. know, they have a selected group and then they go from there. Hmm. Which if it's anything like the discussion we had about just one book, it must be really tough. It must be hard. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's that whole idea of being on a panel to choose an award winner of of a book that's going to have a permanent sticker on its cover. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, it's so I I think it's really uh, cool now to think about all the things that you could do with books. I think there are a lot of things that now I think, gee, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I think of this other thing? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what books, like in your in your history, when you think of going back through your bookshelves and the things that have really made an impact on you, which which titles or genres or series kind of stand out as the ones that you are so grateful you read and you want other people to read? Well, it's funny because I thought about that. I was looking at all the children's books on the shelf and and other books thinking, and there are a lot of books that I know that I've had that I've you know, taken to 
be donated somewhere because we can't keep all of the books that we read and trying to trying to remember and and trying to think about those ones um and i i was starting to notice that i do think that i really like realistic fiction and but i also uh really enjoy historical fiction mhm i don't know if there's one uh, and fantasy and whatever but i do, i think that probably realistic fiction would stand out as something that I read a lot of. And I think that's just because everyone has different reasons for reading or reading at different times. But I think truly when I am reading, I want to go somewhere else. That's not where I currently am. And so, I mean, I like to travel. We haven't traveled, right. But it's, there's also a lot of other things with traveling and there's certain places I might not get to, but I can get to them through a book mm-hmm. or I can try to, because then it does make you think about, gee, I wonder if this is accurately re- represented in this book. And so then it's, I like to look at the author and see where they're from and what perspective they're bringing to writing the story so that in my head, I know I might need to ask some other questions about it, or maybe it, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't match. Um, but I would say just thinking about it, most of the books that I would have read would lean towards the realistic fiction side mm-hmm. of things. Um, and so uh, I was thinking about just even one of my favorite books from childhood, The Secret Garden. And I think what I really loved about that book was, first of all, she was coming from, you know, this warm place and moving to cold, cold England. And it's always mysterious and an adventure to go to this big English castle and whatnot but um just about like there's a secret and 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 so when you're investigating the secret and you just get drawn into that story about finding out what the secret could be although looking at it now and and reading um some of the language like I know that that probably wouldn't be the favorite book for a lot of children now because the writing is so I guess not, it's just not as relatable anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And in even aspects of the story. And so that's really interesting too, to think about. And you can talk about what, you know, if I was that age now, that might not be my favorite book now, which is an interesting thing to think about. And then another one. There are a lot of books like that. I find that people want to give as gifts because they have really good feelings about it. So they want Mm -hmm. somebody young to read it. And exactly what you're saying, I think is a very important thing to consider. When you are choosing a book for a young reader, if you're choosing something that is not relatable to them, where the language is not in their wheelhouse and it doesn't feel like something that they would hear somebody say, then they're not going to be engaged to read it because it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel tangible to them. It doesn't feel like something no. they can put themselves into and they're not going to continue. So a book like that, although it could be nostalgic for an adult, actually could be more of a hindrance to yeah. a child. Now, it may be that a child just grabs on and just loves it. However, you know, the consideration is there that maybe this is a book that they won't latch on to like you did. Exactly. I think I think that's really something to think about. And then maybe a book like that could be read aloud, but I think you'd have to sort of revise it as you read, right? Like you might, you, you might have to change, just change the language in a few spots or talk about the language. But I think it comes down to what, what um, 
we've been, you know, I've talked with my colleagues about is really knowing the reader. You have to Mm -hmm. really get to know the reader. And so once you know more about them, then that helps you to be able to pick the books because like I find it exciting and a challenge to find the right book for someone. Right. And I can't do that until I know a little bit about them. And then if I'm successful with one, then that helps me with another one. But in order to do that, you also have to read a lot of books or listen to a lot of books Uh, or not even whole books though. You could like, I read a lot of book blogs that just talk (laughs) about books and, and give you ideas about them because then you can connect and say, well, I haven't read this, but this one sounds like it might interest you. And so you can still connect people that, that way. But my goodness, it can be more than a full-time job to, to do that. I don't know, maybe someday. (laughs) Well, and I think that's a challenge when you're thinking about a young reader, well, adult readers as well, but young readers, if you almost feel like it could make or break for them. So you absolutely ask those questions to find out what they like when you're not reading. What do you like to do? What things engage you? What was the last great book you read? Um, What did you stop reading the last book? Like what, what was not working for you? And then just kind of figure out what they like. Cause who cares if they're reading Archie or whatever, if that's what they like and that's keeping them reading. Yeah. Keep going. Cause they're probably going to read something else too. So yes, you know, yeah. 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 I know my niece kind of went through a, um, a time where it was harder for her. And I remember having a conversation with my sister and just saying, well, just let her read what she wants to read. And then even my sister was like, oh, good. I don't have, you know, because I think parents sometimes feel pressured that they have to, you know, feed their children certain stories instead of just having them be able mm-hmm. to read. There's There's a lot of pressure. So it's nice oh, to be able to is. just let go. There's so much pressure on kids. Um, well, and you're right too. I think that a lot of people don't consider that for the grown up, there's also a lot of expectation that you have to give them quality reading material because it's the, the status of your child in the literary world. If they're reading graphic novels, well, they're not as good a reader as this one over here who's reading, you know something else and oh if you're reading dogman well they're not as good as if they're reading you know the secret garden or something they're reading oh my gosh we're not giving out awards for this right now just let them read it doesn't it's not a sign that they're bad kids if they're reading something less and there's so much complexity to those books actually too like kids have to understand how to read those and you know probably give them to some adults and they wouldn't understand how it goes from the picture, how you can keep things in your head. I mean, I got really into reading a lot of graphic novels to familiarize myself with them to understand, you know, what it was about them. But I don't know if you've ever read the Amulet series. I haven't. Um, But I I was like the kids. I was like, when's the next one coming? You know, because it's, it's like a chapter of a book and they'd finish and then he wouldn't have one for two years or something because it takes so long to, to get, I was luckier because I read, I started them later so that they were faster. Mm-hmm. But sometimes yes. there's a huge gap between one graphic novel and another because I think of the process that the author, mm-hmm. as the illustrator and artist as well, has mm-hmm. to go through. And I've read so many um, terrific ones. So that Amulet series and then um, uh, Sunny Side Up and um, 
that's Jennifer Holm, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. But that one about, um, uh, and there's a few in that sort of series about a young uh, girl. She's in middle school and she goes to stay with her grandfather in Florida in the summer and isn't so keen on it. But then about, you know, the adventures she has and the relationships. There's so much in that graphic novel. There's so much in that, so much to discuss, so much to enjoy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I challenge people to read more graphic novels. And that's another thing I do when I'm sort of stuck or I know I don't have a lot of time is I choose um, young adult literature to read. Yes. Oh, young adult literature is so fresh. There are so many really creative stories that almost feel as if they're free. They're not limited to these check boxes that the adult writers have to limit themselves to or what the publishers say, you have to stay within these boundaries because this is what sells. Young adult literature almost says, you know what, just write what you want. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) It's beautiful. I like that. I don't know. I think everything. I love going to chapters and sitting in the children's section and reading like the readers for six to eight and then nine to 12 and then seeing what's going on. And I mean, that was a great thing about um, reading with my kids is just being exposed to so many books myself because Mm -hmm. we would read, we would read so much and they had very different tastes. So then that's the other thing I had to do that for my own kids because, Oh, those things that, you know, Kate, liked Sophie really didn't like. And so we had to kind of find out you know, which were the things. And, and um, so you can't always just pass that book through in the family because the kids have, you know, very different ideas. Thank goodness for libraries. I mean, that was the greatest thing. You can (laughs) just borrow the book and try it out, right? You don't have to commit to it, except if they don't, if they like it, great. But if they don't, you can just take it back. (laughs) Absolutely. Or sitting in a bookstore. I mean, we, the, um, I did that lots with the kids and Greenwoods was in high street when they were Mm -hmm. growing up. And that was a weekly thing to walk from our house to Greenwoods, go to the basement, sit and see what the new books were and sit and read and usually leave with some, of course, but, and, and do that. But you never felt like you were rushed out of there, you know, you were greeted and you sat and you read just like, I'm sure when kids come to your bookstore, it's the same thing. And when I was growing up, I remember, I, I don't know if you would remember the, the village bookshop. It was, Where was that? um, so right now, just on a, the corner of 142nd street and Stony Plain road, where they've built the new tower, um, yeah. a high rise, there used to be kind of, um, like a strip mall in there. Okay. Kind of the most unassuming location and there was the most fabulous bookstore in there and it was called the village bookshop and it was magical it was magical you would watch it was only kids books that's it and it wasn't very big but the stacks were floor to ceiling and there were books at all different levels everywhere and the best thing about this bookshop to me was each area was a the bookshelves were a different color and so the Mm. color as a kid was great because you knew, ah, I'm going to go to that green part because that's where I find a lot of books I like. Mm-hmm. And then you would know, oh, I mean, it was a way of grouping the books for ages, right? It wasn't, you know, so that kids knew, if, even if they couldn't read yet, that all the yellow ones is where all the picture books were or, right. you know, that kind of thing. So that was magical. And the, the bookstore owner of that bookshop 
pushed me into reading something different, hmm. which opened up a new world for me because I mean, I love Nancy Drew. I was reading lots of Nancy Drew and um, Judy Bloom, and, you know, but, but that's what I was always looking for because I just loved it so much. And then right. going in there um, and, and the, the owner said, you know, I'd like you to try something different. How about you try this book? And it was called The Egypt Game by Zilpha Keatley Snyder. And I was really interested in ancient Egypt. And so it really, I thought, yeah, that sounds really interesting. It's about um, a group of children who, and again, this might not be appealing to, to kids today because I haven't read it for so long. So I don't remember all the language and what that was like. I'd need to reread it. But it was about these children who had um, developed imagination games. And one of these imagination games was, and they were always, it was very complicated and it was about ancient Egypt. Hmm. And so, and they created this whole thing around it. And then that, you know, got me to read another by the author and another by the author and to move um, to different things. So whatever it might be, you know, that's just was another, another standout. And that's because of just an interaction with a bookstore owner. Yeah. It's, it's a really special thing. Like I remember going to a library and all I wanted to read were books about dogs a, a kid with a dog from the dog's point of view. I, I didn't care. I just wanted to absorb whatever dog books I could get. And the librarian said, when will you think you've hit enough of the dog books? Yeah. And I said, I don't, I guess when I read them all, right? like, <laughs> I guess. And, and she said, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you one. And if you don't cry, we'll keep going with the dog books. But if you, if it makes you cry, we'll think about something else. Well, I was a basket case. It had a pink cover and it was about a German shepherd. I don't know anything else about it. And I remember sobbing and bringing it back to the library. And she said, well, and I said, I, I don't think I did very well. <laughs> I cried. And, and she said, okay. And she, and she too led me to a different section because she figured at that point I got enough. I got enough dog yeah. books. You need to try something else. Cause if you really have a lot of emotional response, yeah. Let's respond to other things. And yeah, yeah I would fill up my arms at the Absolutely. library. Oh. Well, have you read the dog? The Here's a dog book for you. Black Dog Dream Dog. It's a children's book. It's a novel. It, I, it, it is. It doesn't ring a bell. But yeah. I, I don't think it's very well. I don't think it's very well known. And it's, it's a more um, like recent book. It's not an old book. Oh, okay. Then no, yeah. I haven't. No, it's, 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 uh, well, like recent, but it's not, I think, I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while since I read it with the kids at school, <laughs> but it was still within the last like 10 years or so that I had, I had read it. And it is about someone really wanting a dog and then black dog, dream dog. So it's a beautiful mm. story. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just wrote that one down. Yeah. Cause I'm still, I might be 49, but I'm still up for a good dog book. And the, yeah. Patricia McLaughlin has uh, Waiting for Magic or Waiting for the Magic. I have not read that one, but I am very intrigued. Have you read Where the Red Fern Grows? I, I'm trying to remember if that was a book that it was read to me or wasn't it a Disney movie when we were growing up, you know, it was, might have been like a wonderful world of Disney Sunday night, The Red Fern Grows was on. I think Maybe. I saw it as a movie rather than reading the book. 
Okay. Okay. Another yeah, one. I, the... I don't think I've seen the film, but that book too okay. is a hot emotional mess. Yes, exactly. Oof. Yeah. As so, so many what... books with dogs are. Oh, they are. <laughs> Why do the dogs always have to die? <laughs> oh, at least all of them don't always. <laughs> oh. But it does oh. happen. It's true. It does. <laughs> so sad. It is. It's so sad. So what, what books have you read that have emotionally um, left their mark on you? Good question. Probably so many. I mean, there's so many books that I'll just start to cry in or whatever it is. Um, well, I did, t- I did pull one off my shelf um, by Lori Lanson's The Mountain Story. I don't know if you've read that one. No. No, this wasn't the first book of hers that I've read. I've now read every single one of her books, however. This story really appealed to me uh, because it takes place in Palm Springs. And so it is a place that I have visited. In this story, it like I've got all of my notes in different places, it looks like now. So I'm just right now trying to search for the actually right place here. So I'm trying to remember <laughs> the names. But anyway, the starts with the character Wolf Truly on his 18th birthday and he has been up the tramway to the the top of the mountains that overlook well palm springs other times but this time is different because he goes up there to kill himself and um so right from the start you're thinking oh my goodness why is he doing this what is happening why does he want to do this on his 18th birthday and she keeps you guessing all the way throughout because what happens actually is he notices as he's hiking to the spot where he thinks he's going to jump from that there are um, three women kind of wandering. And he's thinking, you know, you're going to get lost if you keep going that way. Cause he actually knows the terrain and he's um, he's, he's been up there several times before. And um, uh, lo and behold, actually he does start to think about them more and worrying about what might happen. So there are some, you know, kind of missteps happen along the way. And what happens is he ends up getting stranded in the mount on the mountain with these three women. Um, and they mm. all are lost and they're stuck there. They can't, you know, they, they can see Palm Springs and they can see the tram, but they don't know how to get out of where they're going to be. And he knows no one's looking for him because he had kind of covered his tracks to, to make sure that no one was looking for him. Um, and it's, it, it, it definitely um, makes you feel deeply. I think at least for me, when I'm reading just the relationships that are formed, these complete strangers and how being lost together and kind of caring about the other people and what happens to them um, can kind of ch- can can make changes in in your life. So yeah. yeah. So and I always I just also just found how that they would keep talking about the fact that they could see the lights of Palm Springs and that they were freezing cold in that on that mountain. And yet you know how hot it was where those lights and the you know the the heat you can see kind of emanating from the ground down below and yet they were freezing cold up on that mountain and it's just if you I think just having been there just knowing that sort of difference between the two you're thinking wow how does that 
what that must, what must that, that be like? So, and I find that Lori Lanson's books are like that. And she's a Canadian author, but she lives in the United States now. And, um, she wrote the girls, which is this, there's more than one novel about called the girls I found, which I didn't know at first, but it's the one about the conjoined twins. Oh, that's her the girls exactly that happened to me several times when I talked about the book and then people say that one I'm like no it's not that one but the girls is about um conjoined twins and the book alternates between the one twin telling what life is like according to her and the other twin saying what life is like according to her and then about possibly making a decision to become separated and how that isn't such an easy decision for them so that was the first one that I read that she wrote. And then The Wife's Tale. And this one, The Mountain Story. And isn't there one about a little light? Yeah, or... I was going to say her most recent one is This Little Light. I think it's called This Little Light because I can see the, you know, it's on my shelf. I read it. I got it for Christmas last year. And I can see the the picture, which is a very, to me, was a very different kind of a story, um, but just as just as riveting and emotional. And I would, I would actually just say with that one, I put a little disclaim, like a little warning for some people on that one, because the subject matter of that book is very troubling actually. Mm -hmm. And so if you've had certain experiences in your life, then it might not be a good book for you to read, depending on where, you know, where you're at. It's very troubling because it is about, you know, young adults and, um, you know, abuse. And, and so it, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it can be quite scary and probably triggering, I would bet for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to that. That's actually the first Laurie Lansing's book that I've, uh, tried and I probably got a quarter of the way through and I was listening to the audiobook of that one and I couldn't continue. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is not the right time for this book. I'm not able to give it the attention. And then I was also very cautious of anybody who heard the book. Yes. Whether it absolutely. was if the card window was open or something else. I was just trying to be very cautious of that. So I still yeah. haven't finished it. Yeah. And that's one, like, I don't know if it's a book like that. I find like I need to read it. I, I can't. I can't listen to it. And I don't know, maybe it's because I have more control of how I tell myself the story and how, and, and how I can just take snippets of it or find a place where I'm just going to sit and just, I'm very, I'm definitely very glad that that I, I finished it. I really, it did, it, it had a profound effect on me and I wouldn't have wanted to not, not read it, but I, Mm-hmm. Definitely. If I, it's not one I would pick up and say, Hey, you should read this book to everyone because I'd be a little bit more, I'd have to talk about what is what you're looking for. What is like me, like maybe because it's right. definitely not for everyone. That you actually raise a really good point. Controlling how you read something changes how you feel about it. So if you feel there's something that you just with your eyes, you can take in the words differently or you can camp on a phrase longer or you can kind of skim over parts that are just not for you, whatever that looks like. And you change the pace of it. Also the narrative voice in your head is entirely your own. 
Yes. It's up to your imagination. You decide what those characters sound like. And there is something very personal about that kind of a safe reading experience, which yeah. it's very true. I have, I have listened to and then read books multiple times and got completely different experiences from them. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I think actually I will try the Lori Lancet's book with that with just on the paper because I did like it. I just couldn't, I yeah. couldn't give it airtime. No, I like absolutely. And I think that that's one book where it would be maybe, I don't know, maybe it'd be difficult to do other things. Cause another one that was similar in that way that I finished listening to was the break by Catherine Vermet. And that is oh, a very, yeah. that is a very troubling and yet hopeful I mean I was you know book as well but that's and I did listen to that as an audiobook but I think because the again it's the reader the reader of that book was exceptional mm-hmm. and there were parts where I thought I don't know if I can keep going because it's troubling but somehow by just taking a little break from it or that 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 storyteller I wanted to listen to more. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else is so fun is just like what we're doing right now is when you sit in a room, whether it's with a group of people or you sit across the table from somebody that you know, and you break down some of these books, these stories, how you read them, how you each interpreted them. It makes the book so much bigger than it was the first time. Because now you're reliving parts that maybe you overlooked or forgot about. You're breaking apart a character and you're down to the, like the very element. And you think, oh man, I, I kind of put that character over there and forgot about him, but you're right. There's so much more to him. And having those kinds of conversations, I always find elevate a book so much more than what it was originally. Yeah. So whether I loved a book or I didn't love a book, I still want to discuss it because I always think there's yeah. so much more to be said. Absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's very limiting to think that you have to like every book that you read oh, as yeah. well. Right. And I mean, usually because as readers, we know the kinds of books we like, we do tend to like what we read, but sometimes we think, Oh, I'm going to try that. Or I'm going to push myself to do something different or I'm going to take that recommendation then then it can land in different ways, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's the fun thing about the book club is that, you know, you're reading, the, at least the way we're, you know, we're doing it now with choosing a, a, a book that everyone's going to read is that it might, sometimes it might be, I would choose that, I really enjoy it. And sometimes it might be, um, that wouldn't be one I chose, but either I might find out I really like it as well, which might get me off in another direction, or I'll have mm-hmm. a really great conversation with, to find out why some people liked it and why some people didn't and and what happens right. because it's about, I don't know, it's about sharing ideas and stories too. Definitely. And, and even if you didn't like that book, there might be something about the way the author wrote that you liked. So you might discover other titles by that author that you would never have looked up otherwise. So it's a way to introduce you to so much more in terms of that author's backlist or other ideas, themes on that same kind of um, level that you just had never considered before. Who knows? Like, I just think it's, it's so much richer to bounce ideas and inspiration off other readers. 
because they have read so many other things you have never read and they Absolutely. read them in a way that you'll never read them. And it, great. it just teaches, it just teaches you to listen to each other and to listen to different perspectives too, which gets lost a lot, especially with social media, because people seek out only what they're looking to hear, what they want affirmed. Right. And so when you read a book and you get together with some other people, especially like sometimes like people that you just met in the bookstore book club that you didn't know before, it gives you an even broader perspective. You can meet with friends too, but it gives you a very different perspective because you get to get readers from all different places. Like you said, who oh, have read yeah. so many things that, that you would, that you wouldn't have read because there's so many books. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such an exciting conversation. doesn't matter what week it is or what book we're discussing. The fact that everybody is there with the same interest, just to talk about books. Exactly. Always reminds me of the idea that when somebody says, Oh, books are dead. Oh, you know, they're not, they're not a thing anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I think, you know, there is something else that, that I think has been pushed forward in pandemic. I, I, people that I have spoken to, almost everyone has read more and it might be two books instead of no books. It doesn't have to be right. 25 books, but generally people have read more and you hear a lot more conversation about how books have helped people get through. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And that is a really nice side effect of this whole lockdown pandemic thing is people are discovering books on their shelves too, that they, you know, it's been there for a long time, but now I'm sitting here all the time and I'm looking at it. I guess I better pull that down and read it. And they're finding favorites. They're wondering what the heck did I even choose this book for? It was terrible, whatever it is, but you've had that experience with it that you wouldn't have had before. Yes. And yeah, it's, it's great. Even if people are listening to audiobooks and it's leading them towards other books. You know what whatever it is, whether it's audio, ebook, tree book, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. More reading is more reading. And I think um I mean graphic novels, I I really like to read graphic novels um especially for, you know, ages kind of 9 and and up and there's some really good adult adult ones too. But I think mm -hmm. for um it's it's nice to have digital access to those, especially as an adult reader, because I know I'm going to read it so fast. And so sometimes I purchase them thinking, that's okay, I'm going to give it to this person after and then I'm going to read it. But it's a really, those I do like reading digitally, because um, the, or borrowing, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can, those ones I find are a really good, a good thing, because even for, for parents and purchasing there, they can be pretty pricey. And then unless it's one, but although kids read them a lot, they do, they, they do. read them, they reread them. They're quite dog-eared, those ones. I don't know how many times I've seen kids read that Amulet series, probably 14 times. Oh, yeah. And that's so, not a light series. It's not no. fluffy or whatever. It's it's a little dark in places. I mean, yeah. isn't there the, a car accident in the beginning of that one where the parents die? I'm trying to Is remember. That See, that's like... I can't, I honestly can't remember what they're going to that other land because it's spaceships and things like that. But you start to mm -hmm. have flashbacks though. Cause I'm wondering if that's, you know, you see the characters, but then you kind of go back to where they came from, but there are, there are a lot of like forces in there, right. Yeah. That they're. Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, that's a nutsy. That's why I feel like, okay, I'm going to need to get that series and read it from the beginning to the end book again. So I can remember 
the story. Well, that's actually a really good thing for a grown up too to consider that if you want to know what kinds of graphic novels your kids are reading or might want to read, they could get them from the library or get them digitally somehow, right? In a way that's much easier for the adult to know what their child is reading. Yeah. And have access to it so that they can have a conversation about it. Yeah. One could that would be so cool. Like there's uh do you know Sora ebooks? Mm-hmm. S-O-R-A. Yeah, so the well kids anyway in Edmonton Public Schools, they have access to that this year. Like what a um it's it's division wide. So what a great thing that is. I mean, as staff as well. So that I was like, oh great, I'm gonna go grab some graphic novels and I'm gonna I'm going to read I'm gonna read some of those. So um that's a really valuable resource for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Karen, I think that you have a you have a real knack, not only for understanding what other people could read, should read, would get a lot out of, would have better conversations if they read. Like just your your knowledge of um, many ages of books is pretty impressive. Thank you. Many times <laughs> in book club, you will say, oh, what about this one? Oh, that one's great. And you will make like a secondary suggestion. And this is for all ages of books. And I, I think it's really fabulous that you are in the field that you're in. Because to inspire young people to consider books and reading as something that is valuable and not just necessary for school, but actually valuable for their own personal lives and to have instilled that in your own kids and then to still do it for yourself as an adult. I mean, that is something that is so incredibly necessary. So I'm very, very grateful that you are in the position where you are having a voice about what literacy looks like for kids. And even if you're not directly with them face to face right now as a teacher, (laughs) I'm still glad that you are in the field to have a say because those are the people that we want to do that. The ones who are passionate, the ones who really get it. Yeah. I'm so glad. And, and I know every conversation with the student, like they've inspired me to read a lot of different things too and to find things out. And uh, I think I, I do love that. It's like I said, it's a challenge and, in a in a in a great way to think about well I don't have a book for you I guess I've got a job to do I've got to read some more so that we can have a conversation <laughs> that's right yeah well and you know that any teacher or librarian um, or bookseller anywhere who is making suggestions if they're making more than two suggestions they have a lot of books in their catalog in their brain to pull from which is great because they are reading all these things that's right yeah it's true it's awesome Well, thank you for being part of our book club. Thank you for making suggestions all the time and for contributing to our conversation in such a great way. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, going to book club and um, once a month, it's like, it's a joy. So thank you for creating these book clubs. And I think especially right now, I mean, I can tell like you're so busy with book clubs uh, that it is a need that, that, that people, that people have. And, um, you don't always know enough people to get together no. to be able to have a book club. So I have no. really appreciated being able to find this as well. So thanks to you. Oh, it, hey, it's it's definitely our pleasure. And you're right. I think people aren't certain where is a safe place they can meet other people. And even if you meet them online, where can you see their actual faces? And the, the whole feeling of not knowing what is okay 
mm-hmm. doesn't take away from people knowing they need other people. Yeah. <laughs> they need I to think be people with them. just want to, yeah, they, we just want to come together as actual people and not yeah. through a screen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay. If you make us sit there with masks on and stuff, fine. Yep. <laughs> we'll do that. That's fine. But we just want to be together. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> we'll do anything for the books. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Books for the win. Today's episode of the Bookshop Chronicles has been brought to you by Childhood Favorites. Whether it was Judy Bloom or Nancy Drew or the Bobsy Twins or Captain Underpants, whatever books motivated you to become a reader, we want to give credit to those books today because those books propelled us to become the adult readers that we are today. So whatever books you feel warm and fuzzy about, let's salute those today. For me, those books were all books by Richard Scarry, Judy Bloom, Beverly Cleary, Nancy Drew, L.M. Montgomery, and my grandpa's collection of Herman comic books. Those continued to help me turn pages, get excited about the next book, and want more for my reading life. Okay, friends. So whatever it is you're up to today, go kill it. Go do it like only you can do it. You know what it is. You know my thing. Taste something awesome. Giggle with your people. Have some fun. And whatever you choose to do, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Have a great day, friends. Talk to you next time.